Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education, a podcast that focuses on what is happening in education today, connecting everyone to the movers and shakers that are breaking boundaries in the education arena. Welcome to Linked Up, Breaking Boundaries in Education. Uh, Jerry, we do a lot when it comes to ClassLink, right? We don't talk a lot about ClassLink, but we work for ClassLink. And there's a lot that we do um, in equity with some of our products. But also, uh, a lot of the conferences we go to, I think more and more, we're hearing some talk about um, using data dashboards and things like that. So I think we're going in the right direction. I do too. And today's topic is going to be really interesting because, you know, AI is on the forefront of everything. We hardly have a conversation for 10 minutes without someone bringing up AI, right? But the real concern has always been that in the past, it's been white males that have been inputting information yes. into yes. AI. And so it has this implicit bias in there. Yes. And our guest today is going to tell us about how his company is actually bringing diversity and inclusion to AI. So I want to welcome Aman Sahada. And it is so glad to. See you here today. We met this summer at ISTE, which is one of the biggest tech conferences and so much fun because we meet people from everywhere. And we met you there and we just knew we needed to have you on the podcast. So if you wouldn't mind, could you tell us a little bit about yourself and your role at your company, EI Amplified, and then follow that with... What inspired EI Amplify to move into the diversity and equity arena? Yeah, for sure. So a bit of information on myself, and thank you for having me, Jerry and Jamie. Really appreciate it. Uh, The work at ClassLink is always great. Enjoy all the events at SD, FATC that you always put on, and really the community you built, your team has built together. It's all about working together and collaborating, so really appreciate the work that's going on. Um, a bit about myself, I'm a young entrepreneur, the co-founder of EI Amplified. Um, we were named the 2021 Canadian Education Technology Startup of the Year. Wow. Um, Whoa. We, <laughs> yeah, uh, we received an award. Since, thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, we also received an award this year for Smart Solutions from our Board of Trade in, here in Brampton, where we're from. Um, a bit of, a bit more personal information about myself. Uh, I'm also a director at the Canadian Council of Black Elder Tra- Trailblazers as well. Um, that's where we bring Black elders such as Jean Augustine, uh, Zanina Conde. So Jean Augustine, she's about 86 years old now. And she's the reason we have Black History Month in Canada. And yeah, first female Black MP. So I'm um, really bringing a lot of our legends out. Um, that have done a lot of work in terms of equity, diversity, inclusion, and try to learn from their lived experiences. Because before, when she wanted to pass Black History Month, she had to go talk to every single member of legislative and then uh, put that together. But now we have like technology such as AI, email, that you can just easily communicate with each other. Um, I originally, when I first started my organization, I was really thinking about sustainability because that was my original topic that I was studying in my undergraduate. Um, try to think about how we can get to sustainability in a meaningful way. And one of the biggest things that was lacking, um, I met a mentor who is an Olympic coach in mathematics, and he talked about the power of education and how it's needed to get to sustainability. But then also looking at the emotional connections that needs to be had and the components of empathy. 
Um, one of the core components of design thinking is empathy, but a lot of the times it's lacking. When there's new innovations, if you're not able to put yourself in other people's shoes and see how the tool is actually able to be used, um, then there's no really innovation. And when it comes to equity, I feel like the measurements around equity have been systemically discriminatory for a long time, which hasn't been able to move the forward, move forward the needle within school environments. Um, but yeah, that's just a bit about myself, where I came from. I also do a lot of community work as well, I'm part of multiple community or organizations, uh, not-for-profit words as well, and uh, really just trying to make a difference within education because education is the way for the future. Absolutely. Well, it sounds like you're making a difference and you're being recognized for it too, which is wonderful. Thank you. Glad for that. Yes. So what is it about diversity, equity, and inclusion that your company feels is so important? Yeah, I feel like uh, it's a basic human right in terms of everybody should have equal opportunities based upon the differences that they have. Um, at the same time, diversity is what makes us who we are. Um, it makes us all unique individuals. And um, one of the things that I always heard when I was growing up, or I'm sure a lot of people heard it, was like, you're weird, right? Um, but when people tell you you're weird, it's just you being your own unique self. It's not really you being weird. It's just you're different from someone else, and that makes you who you are. At the same time, no one likes being left alone. Uh, no one likes not being included. And being able to lift each other up is going to be really critical, especially in times when we forward in such turbulent situations. There needs to be a certain level of empathy with all the problems going around in the world and even all the problems going on here, like at home in Canada or within the U.S. Um, there's a lot of things to work on, but EDI can be a core component. And um, I think it's just about really working together and moving towards a common goal and um, just being able to collaborate really and understand other people's emotions. And it comes down to that component of empathy. Right. You know, I think it's so important that you are focusing on education because that is the foundation of the empathy that is so intrinsic in all of this. I mean, it needs to be there, but it's not intrinsic, fortunately, in some cases, right? In some people it is, in others it's not. So how are you leveling the playing field? How are you making it sustainable to um, make sure that empathy is at the front of everything? Yeah, I think uh, we actually combined the two components um, of empathy and equity into one. So for years when we've been providing measurements for equity, diversity, inclusion, um, and well-being and empathy, we typically, we use a Likert scale or multiple choice, right? Like rank how you feel about equity on a scale of one to five, mm -hmm. or rank how you feel about your well-being on a scale of one to five. And then typically um, in most school environments, the way it works is you collect that data at the beginning of the year, you release it at the end of the year, you come up with a three or five year action plan. That's, I'm, am I wrong? Uh, is, is that what you, you also, right. Right. yeah. Um, but if you think about that, a lot of the issues around equity, people's well-being has to do with people's stories and lived experiences, mm. which is actually captured through qualitative data. Now, if you think about chat GPT's understanding of your language, it may not generate the right response, but I can understand what you're saying pretty clearly, right? right. And if you leverage GPT and break down the language to summarize it in different ways, instead of getting it to generate a response, you can actually look at large scale qualitative data in a meaningful way. At the same time, you can provide accountability measures much more often. So what we do is we actually are able to look for emotions within text and emotions are closely related to empathy, equity, diversity, inclusion, and your learning. If you don't have positive emotions and your learning experience will not be positive. If you have negative emotions, you're not going to be able to relate to your classrooms. You're not going to be able to 
build strong relationships. So what we did was we actually combined equity and empathy and measuring emotions through text, and then using a co-pilot as an assistant to help you interpret your data. At the same time, with the power of AI, you can provide measurements much more quickly. Instead of doing it now at the beginning and the end of the year, you can do it once every week, once every month. And that actually accelerates change um, more than doing once every year and provides more accountability measures. So that's kind of the approach that we took. Can you give us an example of how a school district might use your product? Actually, there's multiple case uses. Um, so <laughs> we're launching with uh, pilots um, this, well, we've launched already. And there's been a, a bunch of different case uses. So equity, diversity, inclusion scans, this is an obvious one that we've been talking about. Um, looking at access to programming, one of the huge, uh, really, I guess, things that have been trending is esports. So looking at leadership perceptions towards esports, how students feel about esports, how leadership feels about esports, how does esports manage, how impact students' abilities to manage stress. Um, looking at digital citizenship and digital literacy as well. Um, how do educators feel about digital uh, leadership? Do they feel like they have the right technology tools? How do they feel about the impact of their technology tools? Um, look at the impact of professional development sessions as well. Um, often when people are implementing PD, it's really hard to measure how that has actually impacted people. Right. But if you get emotions, it really gets down to the deep core and can give you meaningful data because it's qualitative text and you're providing feedback. Um, looking at how people feel about access to food as well has been another scenario because a lot of schools in the U.S., right. They provide like subsidized lunching, but then if you're taking that like lunch, then you may be looked down upon by your other colleagues and students. So right. allowing uh, students like an anonymous space where they can talk about affordability and housing. Um, and we've also been doing like some empathy measurements as well, uh, measuring how people feel about like their well-being. Uh, do they feel, do educators feel like they're implementing empathy? How people feel about access to STEM, STEAM project resources, imp implementing AI. Really anything you'd want to collect data around, um, we essentially provide assistance with. I love that because the data that you're collecting is not superficial. It is at the basic level, our emotions, right? That makes so much sense, but I don't think it's, it's widespread. I don't think that, that people are really looking at it in that lens. But when you really boil down, when you drill down, it's about how people feel. And so really diving into those emotions with this data that you're collecting is brilliant. Thank you, Bruce. I really appreciate that. So what are some of the trends that you're seeing at this intersection of diversity, equity, and AI? Um, I think one of the most common trends is that everyone's looking at generative AI. Yes. And, uh, there are other branches of AI besides generative AI. It's just GPT kind of came over and took everything over. It did. So whenever people are talking about AI and equity, the conversations are mostly negative. Um, that's not all negative. Um, yeah. and I think that's, um, it really has to do with just like the buzz that generative AI created, but also the implicit biases that you mentioned that generative AI can have based upon right. the that's trained upon, right? Um, so I think that's been a huge common trend is a lot of the perceptions around how AI can impact equity, diversity, inclusion as negative. But I feel like if we start looking at analytical AI, and maybe combining it with generative AI, it could be a very powerful force if we use analytical AI to understand the needs of students and use generative AI to meet those needs of students. Um, so I would say that's kind of my opinion. The things that we're hearing about is has really to do with the 
a lot of bias within generative AI, but there are different branches can, which can actually help eliminate bias in a sense. Can you talk about how that intersection would work between the analytical AI and the generative AI? For sure. Um, if you're able to understand uh, what students need, then you can essentially help provide them resources utilizing generative AI. Um, okay. Yeah. So, and then you can also like filter the data to understand the diversity of different population groups and really break it down to different levels as well. Yes. You know, I've noticed um, my daughter is a school counselor. And at first she thought, oh, I don't think generative AI could help me with much. But she can put in like what a student is struggling with and say, give me 10 ideas that could help this student. And she said, they're pretty spot on. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's incredible what it, it can generate if you know what the problem. For sure. Exactly. Yeah. And like, the more we have AI in, in abundance as well, um, and the cheaper, the more accessible it is, the more people will be able to revolutionize. I think, uh, I was at a conference with, um, Avi called for, um, he's one of the lead, lead people within AI. He has a book called predicting, uh, decisions, uh, utilizing artificial intelligence and prediction machines. Um, huge famous professor here at the University of Toronto, which I attended. And he talked about how the more abundant we make AI, the more it, it can actually increase equity within sure. uh, different environments. Because if we don't have it abundant, we don't have it accessible, then the gap yeah. is much larger, right? So yes. need to make it very abundant and available for everyone and easy to use. So yeah. what do you think is the solution for doing that? Um, I think one of them is keeping the costs extremely low. Um, mm -hmm. That's one of the obvious factors are uh, ensuring students have internet connectivity as well. Uh, ensuring content and curriculum is being related to AI as well as seeing how students can even like, um, come up with projects, um, experiential learning, do research, utilizing and leveraging AI and getting yeah. them to actually engage with it in their everyday lives, I think would be pretty right. useful as in, um, even just having conversations like in English class, for example, like instead of writing an essay on like. For example, like a book you're reading, um, write an essay on like the implications that AI could have in the future, both positive and negative and getting students to critically think about it. So I think it could be embedded as a tool that students use, but also be incorporated with uh, content and curriculum across um, all levels of education. Absolutely. You said that a lot of the conversations have been negative. Are there any talking points that you have found that have helped people understand that it it isn't negative, that it can be positive. I think it's, it talks more about the power um, of AI and the things it can do. Like when you start talking about like personalized learning, I think that gets people really excited. Yes. Um, and then I would say that would probably be the most exciting thing that when people when and then I guess like our case use is pretty unique in terms of the way you're using AI for like EDI. I think that would be a pretty good positive. But most of the conversations I've actually heard um, there was a mock trial that uh, I attended. It was the same one with Davy Caldford that I mentioned. Pretty much talked about how um, can big tech be trusted with AI, right? And we, to be honest, I, I was kind of on the edge when we first started. But by the end of it, people were able to convince me that big tech can be trusted with AI. But then when I looked at the rest of those responses, every like the people who said no actually increased. Like big tech cannot be trusted with AI. And it was about... 80% to like 20% of people. There was about a hundred people in the room. Um, so I would still say there's a lot of negative perceptions around AI. 
And it's just going to take some time in order to get to um, more people embracing it as well. Like I have friends that have never used ChatGPT yet. And to me, like, I think that's crazy, but it hasn't even been out that long. So I think change has been happening so rapidly yeah. and it's going to be um, just, it's just going to keep accelerating and yeah, we just got to keep a positive light on it. But then at the same time, um, a conversation I had there was, can uh, government be trusted with AI? Like, what if we start implementing AI into making decisions that are very important for like our country, mm-hmm. for example? I think that could be a very dangerous thing. And that is a conversation that needs to be had more because governments are already leveraging AI in, so, in some components. But if they start incorporating it, for example, in like their national defense, um, those can be very dangerous things where you need a human to make um, decisions that can impact many lives. And there's so many factors that um, an AI may not even be able to see that a human would be able to consider in terms of like, how does like someone mentally think if I implement this into my defense system where I do this and that, right? So yeah, I think it's, 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 a, it's a tough road, but there definitely needs to be some level of regulation, but it also needs to be allowed to be had in abundance as well. Sure. And it's all about balance. I was talking to a young lady this week that's starting a company, a startup that is using AI to grade high school English essays. Oh my gosh, how wonderful because that's so much for the teachers. But she said it gets to the point once the teachers get on, they're like, okay, well now can it just grade it for me? And she, she's saying, no, that, that's really unethical. It can yeah. point out what it's done in your rubric, but the human factor still needs to be in there. I think when we can balance allowing teachers to have more interaction with students, yes. using the AI to do that back work, that's where the beauty of it comes in is increasing human time interaction exactly exactly frees up time right we're going to leverage ai to free up our time to do some of the um the the tasks that take too much time but if it can be done um in an automated fashion wonderful it allows you to get some data and then build in one-on-one conferences with students really get to that building relationships because it also fills in that gap of the um the uh, empathy as well when you're building relationships like that. So it really brings everything full circle. Yes. Well, I'm wondering, this has happened so quickly, you said. Yeah. What do you see happening in, or can you even think about the next five years? Yeah, um, I think there'll be more integrations. Like we're already seeing integrations into web apps. Um, yes. Like, like uh, Canva. Yes. Scholar AI, like all these plugins. Um, I think the next year or two, the conversational chatbot will continue to expand and sure. provide more supports. Um, once the conversational AI is able to provide um, like support systems, if you think about it, one of the biggest things that civilization was built upon was language and communication. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah. now, like recently with things like auto GPT and agents, AIs can essentially interact with each other and start have self-reinforcement learning so they can learn at an accelerator rate and continue to grow. So once we have the chatbots and AIs are able to effectively work with each other, imagine that we pair them both robotics now and then they're able to communicate with each other that uh, to complete specific tasks that they're trained for, but then they still have the self-reinforcement learning where they can criticize each other for it and be able to create really efficient systems. 
I think um, that will probably come within the next five years. Um, before that, I think a lot of um, blue collar jobs, like larger companies will start training their data sets, like law companies with like thousands of cases that have precedent. Um, they'll start developing AI specific, um, AI specific driven models that are focused on specific industries and niches. So like law, marketing, et cetera, et cetera. And I feel like um, the world of the web will change like in the future, hopefully, like it shouldn't take more than like a day to make a website if you have auto GPT and you have your agents trained in a specific way to make sure your web is optimized, um, is meeting your sales and marketing goals as well. Uh, so I feel like that's kind of where we'll be going in the next uh, two to five years with um, AI, which yeah. doesn't seem like a long time, but I think it will get there pretty quickly. Yeah, I mean, I think I can see that too. And then what it's going to do is build our capacity for what you said our foundation is language and communication because you're getting back that time uh with automating those those um tedious tasks right so i mean and and hopefully it will in turn bring it that increase in um in empathy so that that would be that would be a great goal um but i do love the your whole perspective on this i love your angle on this and uh and purpose i think it's it's really fascinating it is and i i wonder how do we begin to create that sense of urgency with education yeah. system that we really need to get in and support and teach children and work with this instead of burying our heads in the sand yeah i think um it's I think it really has to do with a lot of ed techs now and how we can make AI accessible in abundance in an equitable way yeah. without having uh, a lot of expenses, um, like costs around it. Right. Um, one of the biggest things I think is just make it easy to use within the yeah. classroom and not creating extra work and mm -hmm. actually showing how it will um, impact an educator in a beneficial way. Educators, they already have to deal with like after school programs, grading, marking, taking care of their students' well-being, their own well-being. Like, I think 67% of them experience, like, stress or burnout. Right. Um, so we can't really, and AI is, like, changing every single day, right? So you can't really rely on them to keep up with all the advancements in AI. And I think that's where the partnership between EdTech and school districts will be really critical. Um, I know Greg Begby at Hamilton County School District, like, mm -hmm. he's working on an AI department um, within his school district. That'll help build like AI literacy, talk about AI tools and provide professional development around AI. So I think like there's, there'll need to be a lot more departments like that as well. That can yeah. focus specifically on AI, but I feel like um, the more edtechs continue to innovate, um, the easier it will be to implement in education and the more we'll continue to accelerate education as well with AI. Yeah, Correct. so authentically have teachers utilizing it uh, for efficiency. And then naturally they will be implementing it authentically into the curriculum. So I guess starting with the teachers and then that way they feel comfortable with it to make sure that students are leveraging it in the best possible way. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I think some schools are starting that, but I, I love, and, and it is interesting how so many uh, organizations just in the past couple of months, advocacy groups have really worked hard to um, create documentation and some uh, background for uh, education, which is really great because you have, you know, teachers, as we talked about before, you have those concerns um, and those concerns also 
uh, way on administrators. But when we have uh, the support of these advocacy groups that are providing it, and then also podcasts like this that are helping uh, to get people to understand, um, then I think that your roadmap for that five years will even be accelerated. Uh, I mean, I'm just, I always, you probably weren't born, but when the internet first came about in the 90s, it was the same sort of anxiety and, and concerns that were out there. So, um, but I think um, because everything happens so much faster now, I think that um, we'll get over that hurdle much, much, much quicker. And Amon, we were talking about professional learning. And before the show, you were telling me that you're going to be speaking at some conferences. So what is it that you're speaking about? What, what message are you getting out to people? Yeah, for sure. Um, one of them is closely related to this podcast topic. Uh, one of them will be a session at FETC um, with Hemlock School District Superintendent, sir. And that's just focusing on um, embracing EdTech gladiators. Um, that's the title that they came up with. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And talking about how AI can be used for authentic engagement mm -hmm. um, and how you can engage people in a much quicker, meaningful and faster way. Yes. Think, um, the second engagement is actually with Greg Bagby, who I mentioned. Um, yes. That's with uh, the first AI department. Um, well, not sorry, not the first AI department, one of the first departments uh, in the U.S. Um, and I'll be, a, it's, it's kind of like a panel discussion. So there'll be other organizations working on AI, uh, like content and curriculum. Um, and then us talking about our AI tools. So it'll be just kind of just like a central discussion around AI. And then the third one will be a roundtable discussion at FETC as well. Um, I'll also be going to site, um, the California Structure Technology Education mm -hmm. Conference. Yes. Uh, that yeah. is with, uh, uh, we'll just have a startup table there. I recently did a talk at the University of Toronto um, at their OISE department. And with that, we were pretty much talking about how AI can be used for EDI again. And then we do have some presentations for ISTE, so hopefully, fingers crossed, we can get those as well. But um, a lot of the talks have been around AI engagement and equity, diversity, inclusion, and how it can be used to understand students in a better way. Well, that's great. The more leaders that can hear it, the better, and the more yeah. we can integrate equity and diversity into AI. Yes. Moving around the country with us, wonderful. <laughs> yeah. Yes, we're so happy to hear that, that you're out there spreading the message and the good word. We yeah. will be at both FETC and ISTE, so we will come and listen and support you. We <laughs> will. Appreciate that, yes. yeah. There's also uh, the Mindshare Learning Conference that's coming up uh, in November, that's in Ottawa, Ontario. Um, okay. And, yeah, they're actually doing a cross Canada check-in panel to discuss like AI and education as well. So that'll be quite interesting. Um, you can probably check that out online by typing in my share learning. I think it's their 24th at uh, Tech Leadership Summit. And we won that two years ago, naming us uh, Education Technology Startup of the Year. And then a couple of years before that, Phil Cutler won before uh, becoming a unicorn there. So. Um, one of my mentors, Robert Marlacci, who you met at ST as well. Yeah. Yes. Who yes. I was recently on his podcast, but he always talks about Phil Cutler's story and how I have a long way to go to get there. So, um, yeah, that conference will be happening as well. I'll be speaking there. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, we thank you so much for being on the podcast today. We've learned a lot. You know, I think. People think that it's counterintuitive that you can have AI and empathy, but you are showing us how the two do merge and how we can move forward with that. 
So thank you so much for broadening our horizons and helping us to think differently. Yeah, it's a different lens. I think it's really, it really helps. It definitely helps. Wonderful. Thank you. Appreciate it. And thanks for having me on and for all the support as well. All right. Check out where to find more information in our show notes, everyone. Thank you for listening. And if you would like to stay linked up, be sure to follow us on Apple and Spotify and subscribe to us on YouTube.